23andMe. Anybody know what that is? 23andMe? Well, you could buy it at a bargain price shortly before Christmas Day. I gather it was one of the must-have gifts this year. There's always one, isn't there? The light book, uh, various things like that. The Kobo made its run through. And this year, I gather, 23andMe was popular. For those of you who don't know, what it is is a DNA kit comes from a place called Ancestry.ca, which I'm sure we've all seen advertisement for or heard of. And it's a kit, my sister got one by the way, so I can tell you with some authority, where you get a Q-tip basically, and you scrape that around inside your mouth, and then you pop that in a little tube, just like CSI Miami, and you send that off to wherever, and they analyze your DNA, and then you get a list of which likelihoods you have in certain ethnic groups. You know, that this percentage of you is from Germany, and that percentage of you is Eastern European, and this percentage of you, you get the picture, right? 23andMe, which was kind of fun. We discovered that it wasn't particularly accurate because we knew that many of our family members came from France and Germany, and yet it showed up that we had no French DNA and no German DNA. Uh, some of the others were correct. We also have indigenous DNA from the Mi'kmaq or Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia. None of that turned up. But it was fun regardless. But you know, sometimes it's not so fun when people begin to try to fit into slots and labels and try to fit one another into other slots and other under labels. This idea that somehow having more Italian blood is better than having more English blood, or having more English blood is better than having more French blood, or whatever. Stick your DNO profile in whatever category you want, but somehow we live in this world where we are becoming increasingly fractured so that we identify ourselves somehow by our sexuality or by our socioeconomic bracket or by our 23andMe results. And we begin to see ourselves as different and where it begins to slide into ugly is when we see ourselves as better. Today we celebrate the epiphany of our Lord Jesus Christ. Epiphany, as you probably know, is a word that means manifestation or revealing. And if you were to dig out your Book of Common Prayer, you would see that for today's lections it says, the epiphany of the Lord also called the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. And that's a really important part of the story, the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. In other words, the revealing of the Messiah to the Gentiles. An important point, because in the common theological and political and 23andMe mind of Jesus' day, the Gentiles had nothing to do with the Messiah, and the Messiah had nothing to do with the Gentiles. Israel was God's chosen nation. The Gentiles were everybody who were outside of that nation. And so this idea 
that God would connect with through some kind of revelation these other people who were oppressors in many ways and above, but theologically and politically in terms of God's politics below the people of God was a revelation indeed, was a manifestation indeed. I always find it quite telling who is not gathered around the Christ child when you get the whole cast of characters there. You have the shepherds, who were at one point a bit of a glorious cast in Israelite society, but at the time that Jesus was on the scene, were pretty well the low of the low. They were from the wrong side of the tracks, or maybe the wrong side of the field in their case. But they're there. The Gentiles, the people who don't belong, those from away, as my ancestors in PEI would put it, they were there. Don't you find it a little bit startling that none of the scholars of Israel were there? You know, the very people who said, when Herod asked, where is this king to be born? Oh, it says right here. Yeah, over there in Bethlehem. That's where he's to be born. And they see these people in their get-ups, you know, carrying their expensive gifts and so on, and they don't head over? I find that a little astonishing myself. Those in the know, those who know God best, have absented themselves, or at least in terms of the symbols of these stories, are absented from this manifestation of the Christ, the Messiah in the stable. Some of the people of Israel are there, his parents, himself, the shepherds, the lowly ones, but not the ones who have studied all this stuff for their whole lives and are the experts to whom the people go. Well, what that says to me is that in order for us to see Christ, in order for us to have Christ manifested to us, revealed to us in a meaningful way that transforms our lives, we have to lay some things aside. Things like knowing better, things like pride, things like arrogance. We're going to sing in a little bit. I heard the choir practicing, so I know. Gold of obedience and incense of lowliness. These are the gifts that we bring to the Christ child. A lowly heart, open. Not saying to God, look God, here's the way I want you to behave, and these are, here's my little list, my to-do list for you for today. But God, here I am. Use me. Fill me. I empty myself before you so that there might be room for you in the inn of my heart. These are the wonderful manifestations, the wonderful revealings of this day. The revealing that the King of Israel is not really the King of Israel. In our psalm, we sang about how he is the Lord of the whole earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, not just of one nation, but every heart and every mind and every life.
and the other manifestation, the manifestation of the Christ to the Gentiles, to those on the outside, indicating to me that there's no such thing as being on the outside, that we are all beloved, that we have all been saved by the death of Christ, that he opens and offers all of us new life through his presence by the Holy Spirit. Barbara Brown Taylor, a preacher in the Anglican tradition, puts it this way, and this is the thought that I'd like us to ponder as we head out into a world of 23 and me, of the killing of Jews, of the hatred for Muslims, of the looking down our noses at certain uh, nationalities, of the continued oppression of the indigenous peoples of our country. If we are members of the kingdom of God, this one that is established by this little king on his weird little throne of a manger, then we begin with this. In the kingdom of God, there is no us and them. That's what she says. In the kingdom of God, there is no us and them. There is only us, the beloved of God, called to love one another and to serve one another as God's children. Amen.